What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murder. back everybody to another episode of speaking of murder and welcome to the new listeners before we get started a little bit of business we have two other shows make sure you check those out it's speaking of missing persons and speaking of hauntings Um, if you want to reach out to us you can find all of our socials in the episode description and the show description and if you just want to support the show help us out Give us five stars, leave a review, share it with your friends, and uh, you could also join our Patreon, become a patron, and get bonus episodes every other Saturday. So, all of that said... Shauna, tell us about a murder. Love you, Sam. I am not excited (laughs) to hear about it. (laughs) Y'all. Before you start, are we not going to introduce our special guest, Floyd? (laughs) We have Floyd as special guest today. Floyd says, bork, bork, bork. <laughs> Samantha's new baby has decided he has to be involved today. Yep. Hopefully there's no whining. <laughs> see how that goes. All right. So this story is about a woman named Cordelia Bakken. And I'm kind of excited because Sarah doesn't know if she knows this story. Cordelia what? Bakken. Okay. Cordelia Adelaide Botkin was born in 1854 around Kansas City, Missouri. At some point, as she got older, her family moved to California where her dad had gotten a job. It didn't say, like, how old she was when this happened, just that she went with them. In 1872, Cordelia would marry a man named Welcome Botkin. What? Wait, his first name was Welcome? His first name was Welcome. Oh my god, I love it. That's interesting. I literally, that's a very unique name. Yeah, that's the first I've ever heard of that as a name, a first name. It is really cool. And together, the couple would have a son named Beverly. (laughs) Okay. It's the 1800s. Yeah, they did give boys, like, the the names were... Very unisex. Yeah. That's why Johnny Cash has the song, A Boy Named Sue. It's, like, very popular for boys to be named Sue. Yeah, well, and even a little more modern, one of my favorite comedians, comedic actors, Leslie Nielsen. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Yeah. The Bodkin family would end up settling in Stockton, California, because Welcome got a job there as a bra- grain broker. <laughs> one way or another, Cordelia and Welcome became estranged. And then Welcome took Beverly with him leaving Cordelia just to be Cordelia. We'll figure that out. Well, go on. I'm glad she got to be Cordelia and didn't have to be, you know, Fred. Something else. That's what I was wondering. Like, <laughs> No, like, I meant, like, by herself. Like, she just got to act like herself. I know what you meant, Shauna. It's just horrible. the way you said it. I was like, why wouldn't she get to continue being Cordelia? Because they weren't together, but I got it. Okay. 
Cordelia got to be alone to do her own things. While they might not have been together anymore, Welcome would give Cordelia alimony once a month. So he took the kid but was still paying her alimony? She seems like a troublemaker. (laughs) A big time troublemaker. Well, I mean, alimony is different than child support. It was more or less just leave us the fuck alone kind of thing. Uh, Like paying her off? Yeah, Yeah, like that's how I took it because you'll figure out why. Okay. In 1895, 41-year-old Cordelia would meet a married man named John Preston Dunning that was 32 years old while he was biking in Golden State Park. He would ultimately become smitten with Cordelia immediately. John's wife was Mary Elizabeth, and they had a daughter named Elizabeth together. She was like baby baby at this point. John and Mary lived in San Francisco, and Mary's parents lived in Dover, Delaware, and all of this information will become relevant. Mary's father was also a former congressman. Cordelia was a woman that had an extremely high opinion of herself, even though she's just, like, if you see pictures of her, she's very frumpy, and she was 41 at the time. So she was kind of an older woman, but she still thought she was the hottest shit that ever did walk. If I described her to you, do you remember the the gym teacher from Matilda? No, Mrs. Crunchable? (laughs) What? Was that her name? Crunchable? Crunchable? Crunchable, I think. Crunchable. I thought it was... Trinchbowl. Trunchbowl? Trunch. 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 No. Trunch. I think you're right. Trunchbowl. Trunchbowl. You know, it was something bowl. <laughs> she looked like a lunchable. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> a fucking snack. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this is a murder episode, but it's not a haunting. <laughs> yeah, but it happened so long ago, it's fine. <laughs> oh, God. I'm assuming that she's the bad guy here, so okay, good. She is the bad guy. I mean, she she's having an affair with a married man while married. I mean, that happens all the time. That doesn't... Well, I mean, if he was paying her alimony, wouldn't they have been divorced? No, he was doing it literally to make her leave him alone. Oh, he was doing it all on his own, not like... Yeah, not oh, through court. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, in 1890-whatever, 1870-something, that would be really frowned upon to divorce. That's why they didn't. Okay. Cordelia loved to brag about the fact that she had been photographed in a... Over a hundred poses. Uh, naked? (laughs) Or... It didn't say. Just that she had been in different... Over a hundred different poses. So we know she was photographed at least a hundred times. So she was vain. She was really vain. Well, and I would assume that would mean you would have some uh, decent level of money. Because I don't think photographs are cheap at that point. I was going to say, that wasn't an easy task either. And back then, I feel like they were still in that phase of just taking photos when someone passed away. More than they were taking photos of people living. Well, maybe she just said, look, I feel dead inside. Take a picture of me. Could be. Maybe. Or she could have just been like, uh, 
I'm drop dead gorgeous. You need a photo of me. Except I'm pretty sure that's how it was. Same facial expression in every single photo. But she did a hundred poses <laughs> with the same facial expression. <laughs> the same face. She tilted her head a little to the left. In tiger pose, straight face. And a little to the right. You think she like laid on her side with like her pose like one of his French girls, <laughs> straight face. Her chin in her hand and her other one on her hip, like the cheerleader pose. I'm I sure she know. did with the straight face. She did have a favorite pose to take pictures with when she was taking them, which was her hands behind her head and her elbows out, exposing the chest and face. Oh, yeah, I saw one of those on Google. She's like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which for the time pushing, period... Pushing the girls up and out. Yeah. Yeah. And which for this time was very racy, probably. Yeah, it was... <laughs> I'm that sure... That was probably like porn. <laughs> it, it probably was. They were like, Harlot... Which burner at the stake? I don't think it was How that severe, but it was you. probably very an, much like porn. What yeah. an evil temptress. Right. They were probably like, she works in a brothel. How dare you show your bosom like that? Even I mean, she are. had a very, even though she was like on the heavier side, she had a very cinched in waist. In her pictures. Which was very much the thing for a long time. She's very hippie. Yeah. The wide hips. <laughs> Corsets were pretty widely used at that point, weren't they? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. We should go back to that. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. No, herbs. Pushing your organs up or down just to give yourself a tiny waist. I'm not interested. With uh, all that being said about her, the only person she loved more than herself was John. Okay. Little bit about John here. He worked for Associated Press as bureau chief in San Francisco. So he had a good job. A really good job. Uh, He, okay, some sources say he was already a heavy drinker. Some say Cordelia pushed him to that point. But one way or another, he was a heavy drinker and racked up a ton of gambling debt when hanging out with Cordelia. She was like a party animal type girl i'm starting to like get pictures in my head of audrey oh audrey hilly yeah yeah maybe she's like cordelia reincarnated yeah maybe maybe this brought john to embezzle over four thousand dollars from associated press causing him to be fired yikes four grand in the 1800s yeah that was probably like it was forty thousand dollars yeah, something around there. It was a lot. It would have been a lot more money at this in this time period. The affair John and Cordelia were having lasted three years. Mary had found out about the affair in nine or in eighteen ninety six, so a year into it, and she was like, "No, I'm moving back in with my her dad." It says her dad in Dover, so she packed up Elizabeth and left. So she's no longer in California. Brave girl. It said that she was really um, religious. And since her dad was a congressman, she was too, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? She was part of the upper class. Right. So she was like, I can't be associated with that. Well, yeah, because it would look bad on her father's career. Right. And I mean, she didn't divorce him or anything. She just left. Right. 
Since Cordelia stayed at the Victoria Hotel, that is where John would rent a room and make continuing their affair easier once Mary had left. Why didn't they just share a room? I don't know. Save some money. They might have. Again. So she was living in a hotel? Yeah, she was living in a hotel. At some point during this um, affair, John had mentioned some things about Mary to Cordelia. Like that she loved chocolate and that she had a friend named Mrs. Corbley. Corbley? John, uh, around the three-year mark, would be offered a job back at Associated Press. Really? Yeah. He was a really good reporter from everything I read. Oh, that's surprising. They were like... Okay, we're we forgive you for embezzling four thousand dollars. You can come back. He didn't have such a high standing in the company, but he was definitely hired back to and his assignment would be to report on the Spanish American War. So he was leaving California as a whole, but he wasn't going to like Dover. He was going to like it said overseas. Right. So that is what he's doing at this point. Before he had left, he told Cordelia that when he made it back to America, he wouldn't be coming back to her, but instead going to reconcile with his wife, Mary, and be with their daughter, Elizabeth, in Dover. Oh, shit. So he wanted to get his life back together. Yeah. And stop the drinking and try to start over, but back with his wife. Right. Cordelia tried to persuade him to come back to her and even begged him. John stuck to what he said and told her he wasn't ever coming back to San Francisco. Cordelia said one last tear-filled goodbye and watched him leave. It sounded like she was, like, real upset. Well, she probably was. This was the love of her life. Yeah. Cordelia decided at this point she wasn't going to take it lying down, so she started writing anonymous letters to Mary Mary, detailing the affair she had with John and was even warning her about reconciling with him. So she was threatening her. Pretty much, yeah. Soon, that wouldn't be enough to overcome the amount of anger and jealousy Cordelia was feeling, so she decided to go to the Owl drugstore that's the name of it to buy two ounces of powdered arsenic friends would say cordelia's demeanor was melancholy and almost delirious at this point so she's what they considered back then having an episode because she lost the love of her life and she doesn't know what to do so her plan is buy arsenic which I'm just kind of floored by the fact that you can just go down to the corner store and pick up some arsenic. Well, back back then it was used for a lot of things. Like it was even found in makeup. It was even how much was it? Like two pounds? Two ounces. Two ounces. It was yeah. It was a a big ingredient in makeup. Like the how they got that white pale look was with arsenic. Fun fact, actually, the women that uh, would package makeup and things ended up dying, a lot of them, or becoming deathly ill because of the arsenic found in it back then. It was, and they didn't get paid jack shit to make it. No, they had a lot of issues from makeup back in the day because of arsenic. And then they would take it home and it would be on their clothes and then their kids were having problems and all kinds of shit. Those women were 
definitely screwed. Cordelia would go buy chocolate bonbons from a Market Street candy store in San Francisco on July 31st, 1898. I forgot bonbons were a thing. That that used to be like the big thing that was associated with housewives is you just sit around and eat bonbons and smoke cigarettes, smoke cigarettes and watch your soap operas. We should find some bonbons. <laughs> she had asked the clerk, Emma Herbert, to put them in a plain box and to make sure she could fit a gift inside the box. Cordelia then bought a handkerchief from a stock store called The City of Paris. Then she put it all together in the package that she had gotten from the candy store. And so it was like the candy was at the bottom and then the handkerchief was on top. And what she had done with the chocolate was basically she went home through half of it. Like she like took half of it out of the box, made her own, laced them with a lethal amount of arsenic repackaged all of that, then built her box. So it was candy, the handkerchief, a note, which we'll get to, and then she basically, the box was ready to go. The problem was, was the handkerchief was embroidered at the bottom of it, the city of Paris, which was like a boutique only in San Francisco. And she wrote a letter that said, with love to yourself and baby, Mrs. C for horribly so she oh to try to make mary think that her friend sent it cordelia left off a return address addressed this package to mrs john p dunning and mailed the package from ferry station post office in san francisco on august 4th 1898 in dover mary's nephew was sent to go get the mail He would hand the box to Mary. She would then proceed to share the chocolates inside with her sister, Ida Dean. Ida Dean, Ida's two kids and two friends of her kids on the veranda that night after dinner. Holy shit. Everyone that had enjoyed the chocolates became extremely ill pretty much immediately. They were suffering stomach pains and intense vomiting. But Mary and Ida indulged a little more than everyone else. And Mary would end up dead the next day. Holy shit. That was a lot of arsenic. That was a lot of arsenic. Because usually arsenic is a slow and painful... Process. Process. Because people only put, a, like, small amounts over time. Because yeah, isn't it, like, shut down your organs and stuff? Yeah. And you can't reverse it either. Like, the effects of it. Ida followed behind Mary in death August 11th, 1898. So she killed two Two people. people. There would be no hesitation for Mary's father to start an investigation when he realized the handwriting from the letter sent with the chocolates matched the handwriting from the taunting letter sent by Cordelia. But they didn't know that Cordelia had sent any of this. They just, they were anonymous, anonymous letters. So at this point, they know that whoever is sending the threatening letters also sent the chocolate, but they don't know who that person is. Exactly. Okay. The police started with John, clearly, who was on his way back from Dover after finding out his wife had passed away. As soon as he got there and was asked to look at the letters and the address, 
he was certain Cordelia was responsible. Like, he noticed right away. The chocolates were taken to a chemist named Dr. Wood who confirmed they were laced with arsenic. So they didn't even eat them all. And it was, there was 12 total in the box. That's, that's a, how much arsenic. A, well, bonbons aren't very big. They're like bite-sized like you. Aren't they if almost I like remember, truffles? Yeah. Except like they have, a, they're like flat on the bottom and like rounded. Truffles are usually like completely round, right? Well, at least the ones you make. Aren't they like completely circular? No. I don't know. I don't eat it. I just remember from like old timey movies, they were like little things you yeah. could fit the whole thing in your mouth at once. Yeah. That is when John remembered talking to Cordelia about Mary's fondness of chocolate and about her friend, Miss Colby, aka Mrs. C. With John providing love letters given to him by Cordelia, Detective B.J. McVeigh took the evidence to San Francisco to be analyzed by the, uh, a man named Theodore. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this man's last name. Kaitaka, best I can. I like how she said, I'm not even going to try, and then she tried. Well, because you looked. And it looks exactly like how she just said it. Theodore Kaitaka. <laughs> we'll go with it. Who was a handwriting expert. And he confirmed the love letters, anonymous letters, the letters with the chocolate, and even the writing on the box were all Cordelia's. So pretty much she's not very smart. No, she wasn't even remotely smart. And if the handwriting didn't match, it wouldn't have been hard to place that whoever had done it was in San Francisco based on the handkerchief. Right. And the only person with a grudge is her. Would have been her in San Francisco. The police's first plan of action was to get Cordelia before she could flee. This would prove to be easy because she was in Stockton with Welcome and Beverly. She didn't even try. So she was with her technically estranged husband and her son. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, I was like, weird look, Cordelia. Like, go somewhere where they're not going to find you, I guess. No. Okay, doesn't matter. I guess she didn't even realize that they were coming. Well, she probably didn't. She thought she was smart. She signed the letter different. She didn't put a return address. Yeah, I know. She probably had no freaking clue they were coming. What came next was all the clerks she had bought these items for recognized her. I mean, it wasn't like she wasn't like a distinct person. Oh, yeah. She is very recognizable. Yeah. And confirmed the box was exactly the same in every way that everything was put in. Even the clerk at the post office recalled Cordelia because the package she had mailed had a similar name to his own. So his name was John Dunnigan, and she mailed the package to Mrs. John Dunning. Yeah, that would make anybody go, oh, we almost have... Right. Similar names. Even if you didn't say it out loud, you would be thinking it in your head. Right, which would be something to cause your brain to be like, okay. And then it would be like one of those things that you would always remember. Maybe not always, but... But for a while. Yeah. So, at this point, Delaware and California would fight over who got to try Cordelia in court since it happened through the mail. Wouldn't that make it a federal offense? 
Was that not a thing back then? No. And back then it had to happen over two different jurisdictions for this to be a thing. So. I thought the mail was federal. Yeah, but at the same time, this is 1898. I said, was that not a thing back I then? doubt it was. It, it didn't actually go federal. That's, that's crazy because the mail is like a federal thing. And plus it went over state lines, which usually makes it a federal crime. Unless that's like, who knows? We'll look it up later. It was decided... Judge Carl Cook would oversee the case in San Francisco by the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court was like, California gets it, which I'm sure Delaware was pissed. Judge Cook found Cordelia guilty on two counts of murder, December 30th, 1898. So what, four months later? After she had mailed the box. Yeah, because back then when they say speedy trial, they meant it. Yeah. She was given a life sentence, and she went to Branch County Jail instead of being taken to San Quentin State Penitentiary. She should have went to San Quentin. After Cordelia's sentence, Judge Cook's wife had passed away. So one day, Judge Cook was on his way to visit his wife's grave when he looked over to see Cordelia riding in a streetcar, not one guard to be accompanying her. So she was getting furlough? Nope. Was she, she escaped? Let out? She had been exchanging sexual favors for some freedom. Oh, okay. So Audrey Marie Hilly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Needless to say, Carl was pissed and took her right back to jail. He was fucking livid. Oh my god. What's up with all these older... Sure, I'll do whatever you want. Just have sex with me. Apparently, okay, so from things that I've heard about Cordelia, her fucking cell was lavish. Okay, like she had like pillows and blankets and chairs and you fucking name it, she had it. So she's kind of like Lizzie Borden because Lizzie Borden had a pretty cushy cell. And it, all of it was because she was sleeping with the guards. Well, Lizzie Borden's was because she had money. And they thought she was innocent. This bitch is clearly guilty. But the great San Francisco earthquake of 1906 caused Cordelia to lose her comfort in the small jail and be moved to San Quentin due to crowding. Good. So she uh, served the remainder of her sentence in San Quentin. Cordelia would live the rest of her life in San Quentin, but during this time, everyone she loved had died in consecu- like consecutively. Cordelia's dad was the first to die in, 1900- in the 1900s, like the 1900. Then her husband, Welcome, died on May 2nd, uh, 1904. Next would be Beverly, who passed away from the same heart condition his father did the year prior. He passed away oh, in 1905. Sad. Yeah. And not too far behind them, John died in April 1907 due to his drinking. So I'm sure that got worse after his wife got murdered. Murdered. Yeah. Cordelia died at the age of 56 on March 7th, 1910 in prison. And her cause of death was labeled as softening of the brain due to melancholy. And there you have it. The story of the first murder by mail in America. 
She got so sad that her brain turned into mush. That's what it said. Because I know people can grieve themselves to death, so that's basically what she did. I what what I said was she probably died of heartbreak, because that is possible. Who knows if they actually like autopsied her? Are you like? Do you ever get scared of that? What dying of heartbreak? Well, why is what? No, (laughs) (laughs) no, my heart is not broken. I'm saying though, like if you think about it, like. It's a sucky s- statistic that men pass away before women, usually. Like, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. <laughs> I've thought about it. I've thought about it. Like, would I be one of those people who dies of heartbreak if I, like, lost someone I loved that much? I don't know. And how does that even happen? Is it just because you literally, like... Your heart just stops. I would say, though, it's other things, too. Like, you stop eating right, you're not moving around, you're freaking... I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I'm not a doctor. I just thought that this was interesting. Really, Shona? You're not a doctor? I'm not. Why have you been telling people you're a doctor? I have not. (laughs) I'm not going to jail for that. I did not do that. (laughs) Why would you go to jail for impersonating a doctor? (laughs) It's not like... I'm not doing that. I think you're thinking of impersonating a police officer. I'm not doing any of that. Unless you're out here performing medical Uh, procedures. Like going to a hotel room and removing men's penises on the condition that you get to keep it afterwards. And eat it for $700. Yeah, I'm not doing that. (laughs) All right. So murder by mail. The first American murder by mail. Nice. But not so nice because it's murder. But still. All right. Well, he if does you, that to himself every day. <laughs> I know. I just, I really enjoy the stories. I enjoy listening to the stories. Sure, the subject matter is dark, but that doesn't make me not like listening to it. Oh, no, I feel you. All right. Well, I never heard that story. You really haven't heard that story? No, which no. is rare. It's a first ah, for me. Yay. I knew all along. <laughs> you did not. I'm glad I could no, tell I you guys look. a riveting the, tale. The first time we've ever been story virgins together awkward (laughs) (laughs) all right well if if you enjoyed that as much as the rest of us did let us know hop on wherever you're listening give us five stars leave a review share this with your friends if you want to see photos check out our socials they're on there you can find the links in our episode description anyone have anything they want to add in Mm -mm. final thoughts nope no all right we'll see y'all next week Bye. 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 Bye.